This podcast is a production of Phoenix Media. Explore more episodes of this show and other great shows on the Phoenix Media Podcast Network by visiting phoenixmedia.us. The views expressed do not necessarily represent those of the company or its advertisers and may contain language that's unsuitable for younger listeners. Thank you for tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. I'm your host, Christian Phoenix. Now, growing up as a comic book fan of the 80s and 90s, I've always been fascinated with how storytellers translated these iconic heroes from the page to film, television, and radio. Long before we got the big-budget CGI epics we enjoy today, children gathered around their radios to hear their favorite do-gooders come to life with little more than their imaginations and these broadcasts from a time long forgotten. I invite you to gather around your radio for this presentation of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Look up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. It's Superman. It's Superman, strange visitor from the planet Krypton, came to Earth with amazing physical powers far beyond those of mortal men, and who, disguised as Clark Kent, mild-mannered reporter for a great metropolitan newspaper, wages a never-ending battle for truth and justice. Today, with Batman and Robin still missing, Superman, in his guise of Clark Kent, answers his telephone and receives spine-tingling news. Oh, yes, Mr. Anders. You asked me to call you if that man came in? Yes, I did. Has he come yes, in? Yes, he's in our bank right now. He is? Look, Mr. Anders, hold him. Stall him somehow. Don't tell him anything and don't let him get away. I'll be there in one minute flat. All right, gang, get set now for more Superman contest winners. You may be among these, so listen carefully. Patricia Ledane, Hawksdale, New York. Bobby Sandy, North Plainfield, New Jersey. Robert Dix, Shenandoah, Pennsylvania. Robert Slidar, Elizabeth, New Jersey. Phil Sands, Fort Edwards, Wisconsin. Philip Fleming, Davenport, Iowa. David Wallen, Minneapolis. Robert Katz, Staten Island, New York. Jerry McNelly, Anoka, Minnesota. James Sowart, St. Louis City, Missouri. Marilyn Vanasek, Clifton, New Jersey. Ira Monahan, Chicago. Michael Christie, Atlanta, Georgia. Yvonne Neff, Brighton, Colorado. Janet White, Omaha, Nebraska. Herman Dyramos, Metuchen, New Jersey. Bill Hart, Glenshaw, Pennsylvania. Zomira Megalhess, Cambridge, Massachusetts. Roy Seymour, Brighton, Colorado. Pete Turner, Atlanta, Georgia. John Harris, Minneapolis. Frederick Christensen, Green Bay, Wisconsin. Rose Cannon, Lansford, Pennsylvania. James Miller, Brooklyn, New York. Kenneth Burroughs, Great Neck, Long Island. Garland King, Washington, D.C. Sonia Odette, Jamestown, Kansas. Donald Hall, Wallaston, Massachusetts. John Eckenrode, Concord, North Carolina. Larry Powell, Mankato, Kansas. Mary Stone, St. Louis. Don Evans, Ringgold, Virginia. Robert Mott, Wyoming, Iowa. Gary Sigler, Norristown, Pennsylvania. Bob Lawrence, Piedmont, California. Don Allison, St. Mary, Ohio. Dorothy Pittman, Savannah, Georgia. David Chosky, Wisconsin Rapids, Wisconsin. Mary Silva, New Bedford, Massachusetts. Mitchell Lazare, Chicago. Dickie Richardson, Belfort, New York. Bill Easterly, Nonica, Michigan. Mary Wilson, Wyoming, Iowa. George Krause, Atlanta, Georgia. Roy 
Uh, Crone, Quincy, Illinois, Beverly Pearson, Minneapolis, Dwayne Allstott, Omaha, Nebraska, Richard Norway, Chicago, Gwendolyn Searles, Oregon City, Oregon, Jerry Mann, North Plainfield, New Jersey, and Richard Geisler, Stowe, Pennsylvania. That's all for now. More later in the program, so keep listening. <laughs> And now, the adventures of Superman. A mysterious man who calls himself Jones, and who is fanatically opposed to our aiding the unfortunate peoples of Europe, developed a vicious and cunning plot to further his selfish cause, and at the same time enrich himself. Learning that the famous Batman was really the wealthy Bruce Wayne, Jones persuaded Superman's friend to go away with him. Then, Jones sent an impersonator to Metropolis, who, impersonating Batman, made speeches against American aid to Europe and led Robin, Batman's young companion, into an ambush. Then, chaining the dynamic duo in an old revolutionary prison barracks far upstate, Jones and the impersonator returned to Metropolis to take possession of Batman's large fortune. Superman, who suspects the truth, has contacted all Metropolis banks, and as we continue now, he has reached to the Metropolis Trust Company in response to a phone call. There, in his guise of reporter Clark Kent, he hurries to the desk of Frank Anders, bank's manager. Hello, Mr. Anders. Where's oh, Batman? Oh, hello, Mr. Kent. Where's Batman? I don't see him. Uh, he's gone. Gone? But, yes, he but you he... came up from the safety deposit vault. I tried to detain him, but he said he was in a great hurry. Where did he go? Which way? Well, I, I, I don't know. He left just after I called you. Oh. With his friend, uh, uh, Mr. Jones. Jones? Then it was... Uh, I mean, Batman's impersonator, just as I thought. Impersonator? What do you mean? Look, Mr. Anders, please call Inspector Henderson and tell him the phony Batman just left here. I, I, I don't understand. Please do as I say right away. I'll explain later. This alley is deserted, so out of these clothes. This is a job for Superman. And a tough job. Only Batman and Jones could have taken a subway or a bus or a taxi or got away in their own car. However they've gone, I must find them. There we are. All set. Up! Up! And away! I'll tell him as soon as he comes in. No, I have no idea where he is. Right. Goodbye. Oh, Clark, where have you been? Oh, where haven't I been, Lois? Listen, has there been any word from Inspector Henderson? Yes, he just called. Did he pick up the pony, Batman? No, he's still looking, but... Oh, the... I was afraid of that. I couldn't find him either. There were too many ways he could escape. Subway, bus, taxi, private Why car... Why are you I so don't... sure it was the phony Batman who came to the bank, Clark? Because that Jones character was with him. He was? Sure. He forged Batman's signature, opened his safe deposit boxes, and took his whole fortune. Good heavens. Oh, I'm sure we'll never see the real Batman and Robin again, because Jones can't let them live now. Oh, Clark, what do we do? I don't know, Lois. I don't know. Look... How about the recording of Jones's voice? Any luck with that? No, not yet. Oh, that's bad. The Daily Planet radio station has been broadcasting the record every hour and repeating our offer of $10,000 for anyone who can identify Jones's voice and tell us who he really is. Still no takers? No, not a single one. I've checked with the other stations all over the country who've been playing the recording, too. No soap there either? Huh? Just several false leads. Jones has been identified as a famous movie actor, a cabinet official, a general, a champion prize fighter, you know. Uh-huh. But I guess we have to expect those things. Yes, I know we do, but I was hoping somebody would identify him correctly because it's obvious from the way he works that he's no small-time operator. Lots of people must know him. But then I'm sure someone will definitely identify him soon, Clark. Well, we better hurry, Lois. Otherwise, I'm afraid we've seen the last of Batman and Robin. As the afternoon darkens toward evening, Clark Kent and Lois Lane continue to wait anxiously for someone to identify the mysterious and evil Mr. Jones... Batman and Robin in their ancient prison barracks have been trying desperately to free themselves from the heavy, rusted shackles. 
In the long, low, dimly lit room, where their ankles are chained to iron staples embedded in the wall beams, the dynamic duo have been racing their feet against the wall, then throwing themselves back violently against their chains, hoping to snap them or to pull the heavy staples from the beams. And each time they lock their teeth tightly to keep from crying out as the cruel chains cut into the flesh of their ankles. Oh, it's no use, Batman. These chains won't break it. Oh, these staples won't come out. Raise your right, Robin. Oh, my leg is as raw as fresh beef. Oh, so is mine. What are we going to do, Batman? Jones and his phony Batman will be back soon with your bedroll. And you know what happens then. All I know is what Jones said will happen. Well, that's bad because he wasn't kidding. I know, but take it easy, chum. We're not geese yet. Maybe not yet. But we're all trussed up and ready for the other, though. Oh, boy, I never thought we'd go out this way, chained up like a couple of dogs. Look, cut it out, dear. I said we're not finished yet. You want to bet? Well, not too much, but a small wager, maybe. Well, stop trying to cheer me up, Pappy. You know as well as I do that we're done for. Unless our fairy godmother sneaks a cake in here with a nice big file inside. Yeah. Oh, I'd love to have a nice big file right now. No, I wouldn't even mind seeing a cake. Exercising with those chains works up an appetite. Well, remind me of that later. I'll run out and buy you a steak. Hey, when is the last time you ate Batman? Uh, yesterday. Holy smokes! Hey, never shout like that at a man when he's hungry. Uh, cut the comedy, Robin. I just thought of something. A way to get out of here, I hope. Nothing else but. You're talking about food gave me an idea. Go on, spill it. I'm all ears. Now, up until today, when I brought you in, I've been fed fairly regularly by two of Jones's playmates, ugly gorillas with guns, who've been bringing me a tray. One of them would keep me covered while the other set the tray down where I could reach it. You get the picture? Sure, but what are you driving at? Well, there are two of us here now, see? So if we can get the gorillas to bring us some food before Jones comes back and coax them within reach of our chain... Uh, we grab them, give them a quick going over, and suggest they remove our leg bracelets. Surprising how quickly you catch on, son. Come on, now, let's yell and see if we can feed the chef. Hey, fellas, where's the waiter with the water for my daughter? Waiter! Hey, chef! Guys, son! Somebody! Hey! Hey! Come on! Hey! What do you guys want? We want something to eat. Yeah, we're starving. How about a ham sandwich apiece, buddy? Forget it. Mr. Jones didn't say nothing about feeding you. Now look, you've been bringing me food every day, haven't you? Well, yeah, but Mr. Jones... Well, he must have forgotten to tell you, so be a good guy. Will you bring us something to eat? Anything? Well... Even a glass of water will do. Just a glass of water. Well, I guess I can do that. Right up, boy. Hey, wait a minute. Car just pulled up. Must be Mr. Jones now. Oh, what a break. Never mind him. Bring us the water. Uh, hurry. Wait till I see. That is Mr. Jones. I'll ask him about something for you guys. Oh, I know what Jones will say. Yeah, he'll say it with bullets. Oh, I guess it was a good idea, Batman. Yes, Robin, it was. But it came a little too late. And there goes our last chance. Their last hope gone. Batman and Robin wait for the arrival of Mr. Jones. And now, back to the adventures of Superman. As Batman and Robin in the prison barracks upstate see Mr. Jones enter the room in which they are chained, Lois Lane in Metropolis has just rushed into Clark Kent's office in the Daily Planet. Oh, Clark, hurry. What's the matter, boss? What's up? They just called down from our radio station to say that a man showed up there who says he knows who Mr. Jones is. No kidding. Yes, he's upstairs now waiting for us. Hurry, Clark. He may really... Out of my way, Lois. I'm practically up there now. Facing past Lois Lane like an arrow shot from a bow, Clark Kent sprints through the city room into the corridor and then, out of sight, leaves his feet and zooms up the eight flights of steps to the Planet Radio Studio in one great bound, as only Superman can. Does the unknown man in the radio studio really know who the mysterious Mr. Jones is? Or is this another false lead? And if he does know, can he direct 
Clark Kent, who is Superman, to the upstate prison barracks in time to save the lives of Batman and Robin. Whatever you do, don't miss tomorrow's thrilling episode, fellows and girls, when the unexpected happens and the suspense grows. Tune in same time, same station for Chapter 9 of Batman's Great Mystery on The Adventures of Superman. Superman is a copyrighted feature appearing in Superman DC Comics Magazine and is brought to you Monday through Friday at the same time. Ooh, yeah, let me tell you something right here, aha! Uh-huh. It's the Loot Crate subscription box, yeah! Full of exclusive loot, fun surprises, and delivered to your door every month! Just pick up your favorite geeky genre, daddy! <laughs> From the original Loot Crate, the Loot Crate DX collectible boxes, dude! Cowabunga! To the Loot Gaming video game box! Woohoo! Wowzers! With crates starting as large as eleven ninety nine per month, those are backs just about for all collectors. To get your geek on, head over to phoenixmedia.us forward slash loot crate and claim your exclusive offer. That's f-e-n-i-x media dot u-s forward slash loot crate. Great Scott! Snap into a loot crate, it. You're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater, presented by Phoenix Media. Up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane. No, it's Superman. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Look, up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane. It's Superman. It's Superman, strange visitor from the planet Krypton, who came to Earth with amazing physical powers far beyond those of mortal men, and who, disguised as Clark Kent, mild-mannered reporter for a great metropolitan newspaper, wages a never-ending battle for truth and justice. Today, with Superman unaware of their predicament, Mr. Jones points a gun at Batman and Robin, who are chained to the wall in an ancient prison barracks. Any last requests, gentlemen? Yeah, Mr. Jones. I'd like to see you drop dead. Amen to that. That is just what I'm about to arrange for you to do. Right now. All right, gang, get set now for more Superman contest winners. You may be among these, so listen carefully. Jimmy Peabody, Springfield, Missouri, Alan Weitzenfeld, Chicago, Larry Nanosmith, Wellman, Iowa, Janet Christensen, Saratoga Springs, New York, Gwen Johnson, Haverford, Pennsylvania, Robert Orr, Manchester, Connecticut, Robert Maxson, Kendall, New York, Daniel Gilmore, Akushnet, Massachusetts, Carolyn Waring, Leavenworth, Kansas, Philip Gaswaldo, Newark, New Jersey, John Salzburg, Plymouth, Pennsylvania, Karen Clendinen, Bayport, Long Island, Kenneth Robinson, Philadelphia, James Williams, Van Buren, Arkansas, Annie Ludemilk, Tacoa, Georgia, Charles Self, Honka City, Oklahoma, Grace Schramick, Berwin, Illinois, Marlene Boyd, Norfolk, Virginia, Lenny Neil Cunningham, Pendleton, Oregon, uh, Carolyn Schrey, Chicago, Millard Amdur, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, Bobby Mern, Belmore, Long Island, Barbara Stone, Berea, Kentucky, Robert Crawl, Staten Island, New York. 
Inga Frank, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Jane McCann, Big Stone Gap, Virginia. John Nichols, Bonham, Texas. Raymond Hagenau, Manchester, Connecticut. Philip Rosenthal, Miami Beach, Florida. Barry Spiegel, Inglewood, California. Michael Kowalski, Detroit. Leono, Leona, rather, Koenig, Webster, South Dakota. Wayne Shepard, Poplar Bluff, Missouri. H.A. Cotton, Lewiston, Maine. Johnny Wickman, Van Buren, Arkansas. Graham Podry, Norfolk, Virginia. Everett Harris, Patchogue, Long Island. Nellie Montrose, Lorena, Texas. Eddie Fage, Kew Garden, New York. Nancy Jean Ellis, Memphis, Tennessee. Beverly Kujawa, Oshkosh, Wisconsin. Gail Biddle, Cincinnati, Ohio. Tom Gifford, Dubuque, Iowa. Ruth Johnson, Augusta, Maine. Arlene Cohen, Dorchester, Massachusetts. Bill Carson, Appomattox, Virginia. Eugene Steinhardt, Brooklyn, New York. Toby Stein, Chicago. Donald Williams, West Reading, Pennsylvania. And Kenneth Vetter, Omaha, Nebraska. That's all for now. More later in the program, so be sure to keep listening. And now, the adventures of Superman. While a man who called himself Mr. Jones held the famous Batman prisoner, another man impersonated Superman's friend. And after making a series of un-American public speeches, led Robin, Batman's young companion, into an ambush. Meanwhile, Superman had discovered a recording of the mysterious Mr. Jones's voice, which Batman had left behind him. And certain that Jones was an alias for some professional rabble-rouser, he had duplicates of the recording made and arranged for them to be broadcast over radio stations throughout the country, offering $10,000 to whoever could identify the man who called himself Jones. As we continue now, Superman, in his guise of reporter Clark Kent, has been notified that a man who claimed he could identify Jones's voice had arrived at the Daily Planet radio station. At the station, Kent is directed to the manager's office, where a middle-aged, weather-beaten man with shrewd, faded blue eyes sits on the edge of a chair, a battered old hat on his knees. Hello, my name is Kent, Clark Kent. Uh, how do you do? My name's Hempel, William Hempel. Mr. Hempel, I understand you can identify the man whose voice we've been broadcasting. Yep. Fine, who is he? Not so fast, young man. Fellow said on the radio I could get $10,000 if I tell you who belongs to that voice. That's right. So I ain't saying nothing till I see the money. But you'll get the money, Mr. Hempel. After all, the offer is made by the Daily Planet, the largest newspaper in Metropolis, and we'll pay off. Just tell me who owns that voice so I can go after him. There are two lives at stake. Uh, we... Maybe so, but I want to see that Oh, no, maybe it's about it, believe me. Now, if you really know whose voice that is on the recording, in the name of heaven, tell me. Like I said before, young Philip, I'll tell you when I see the $10,000. Great Scott, I, I told you. you no good to get hot under the collar, neither. I know my rights. All right, all right. You stay right here. I'll get out of the cashier and have a check drawn. Okay, Mr. Hempel, here's the check. Drawn to your order. Fine. Let's have it. No, no, no. no. I'll hold it if you don't mind until you've identified the voice, if you can. I can Feller owns that voice is Mart Beeler. Now give me the check. Just a minute. Who's Mart Beeler? Feller rides round out in the country making speeches again what he calls foreigners and saying for us not to send no help to the starving folks in Europe. Great Scott, I think you've hit it. That's the man I heard once way up in Maine. Yes, now I recall it is his voice on the recording. Sure it is. Give me my check. Here you are, Mr. Hempel. Much obliged. <laughs> Easiest money I ever made in my life. Wait a minute. Tell me, do you know where this Mort Beeler is now? Didn't say on the radio I had to say that. Oh, you don't, but I've got to find this man quickly because he's holding a man and a boy prisoners. As a matter of fact, it may already be too late to save their lives. Mm, is that a fact? Yes. And if you can help me find this dealer quickly... Hey, maybe I can at that. Did you do know where he is? I don't know for sure, but this dealer, he's got some kind of society. Yes? Calls it, uh, no help for Europe, uh, nothing for foreigners. I don't recollect just exactly what. That's important. Try to remember, please. Yeah, can't seem to... Never paid no attention, Count. I don't hold with fellas like him. They're always trying to stir up bad feelings. Think good. That's right. Now, if you can remember the name of his outfit, I, I can trace yeah, him and then... I can't. 
Come to think of it, though, his name and the address, too, is on his envelopes. Oh? Once he sends out the folks asking for contributions. Wonderful. Do you have one of them? Mm, seems to me I should have. I always keep envelopes to figure my taxes on. Seems buying paper. God, can you let me have one of them right away? Well, at home, up on the farm, it's just below Mayfield, about 90 miles up steep. Only 90 miles? We can be there in a minute or two. Come on, Mr. Hempel. Be there in a minute or two? You know what you're saying, young fella? Huh? Oh, uh, uh, well, I, 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 that is... Look, Mr. Hempel, you, you've heard of Superman, haven't you? Yep. Well, he's a friend of the people whom Mort Wheeler abducted. Uh, and he's here in this building right now. Yeah? Well, you'll No, I'm not. You wait right here. I'll see that Superman joins you in a few seconds. Hello, Mr. Happel. Heels, who, who be you? I'm Superman. You ready for a quick trip up to your farm? Right. You really Superman? I certainly am. Just open this window. Well, I'll be. There we are. Now, up with you, Mr. Hempel. Wait, 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 wait. Put me down. What you aiming to do? Give you the ride of your life, old-timer. Now, don't be frightened. Up! Up! And away! Have you found that envelope yet, Mr. Hempel? Well, can't seem to lay my hands on them Mott Beeler things. Superman must have thrown them away. But you said they were here in your house. They was, I know, because I've been scribbling on them. Well, I'll help you look. We must find them, Mr. Hempel. We must. Superman and Farmer Hempel search for the envelopes bearing Mort Beeler's address. Beeler himself and his alias of Mr. Jones stands in the ancient prison block where Batman and Robin are chained by leg shackles to the wall. Pointing a revolver at them, he smiles sardonically. Once again, gentlemen, I'll ask you any last requests. Yes, Jones, I have. Really? What is it, Batman? I, uh, I'd, I'd like a last cigarette. A cigarette? That's when do you smoke, Batman? Well, I, I don't much, but... Well, in a, in a tight spot, I... Well, I sort of like a cigarette. You do, eh? Well, I don't know. Now, look, Jones. You took my name, my fortune, and now you're going to take my life. The last cigarette isn't too much to ask in return, is it? <laughs> Under the circumstances, yes, I think you are entitled to a last cigarette. Thanks. Would you give me one, please? I have none because I only smoke cigars, but I know some of the boys have cigarettes. I've sent one in, and I'll give you ten minutes to enjoy it. Then, well, you know what happens then. Yes. Yes, I know. I'll see you both again in exactly ten minutes. Look, Batman, what was the idea of asking for a cigarette? You never saw. Now, wake up, Robin. Jones said he's going to send somebody in here, didn't he? Yeah, so what? So we're going to make a last stab for our lives, that's what. How? What good is... I'm going to try to coax Jones's playmate close enough for us to grab it. Then I'll take his gun and shoot our chains off, and then... And then we go to town. Oh, boy, Batman. Quiet, quiet. Don't let him hear you. This is a long chance, and... Get ready. Here comes somebody. Intensely against their chains. Batman and Robin stare toward the door at the end of the long, low room through which a burly man is advancing. What will happen? And now, back to the adventures of Superman. In their ancient prison, chained to heavy beams in the wall, Batman and Robin tense their muscles as a burly, unshaven giant of a man approaches, a package of cigarettes in a huge, ham like hand. Hey, it's pretty big, Batman. The bigger they are, Robin, the harder they fall. Now get set. You got a cigarette for me, buddy? Yeah. Here's one. Catch. Thanks. Match? Up to you, Pack. Yeah. Oh, shucks, I missed it. Butterfingers. Uh, look, I, I, I can't quite reach the matches, buddy. Would you mind picking them up for me, please? Uh, okay. Now, Robin. Come to Papa. <laughs> I got my hand over his mouth. I got his feet. Put him to sleep, man. 
an excellent idea. Good night, sweetheart. That does it. What good, Pappy? Quick, now help me to throw his pockets for his gun. Check. Hey, I can't find a gun. Neither can I. What's going on in here? Oh, it's Jonesy. What will we do? Well, there's nothing we can do now, Rob. This is it. Their last chance gone. Batman and Robin see Mr. Jones draw his revolver and level it at them. Is this the end for Superman's great friends, Batman and Robin? Serious as it seems, there is still a chance for the dynamic duo. So don't fail to be with us on Monday when further surprising and thrilling things occur. Yes, be sure to tune in again on Monday, same time, same station, for Chapter 10 of Batman's Great Mystery on The Adventures of Superman. Superman is a copyrighted feature appearing in Superman DC Comics Magazine and is brought to you Monday through Friday at the same time. You're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater presented by Phoenix Media. Up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane. No, it's Superman. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane, it's Superman. It's Superman, strange visitor from the planet Krypton, who came to Earth with amazing physical powers far beyond those of mortal men, and who, disguised as Clark Kent, mild-mannered reporter for a great metropolitan newspaper, wages a never-ending battle for truth and justice. Today, as Superman is still searching for them, Batman and Robin, having made a final desperate bid for freedom and failed, can only stand by helplessly as the evil Mr. Jones approaches, gun in hand, to make good his threat. Now, Batman and Robin, this is the end for you. What will we do, Batman? We can't do anything, Robin. It's, it's all over for us. Well, gang, the Superman Hidden Word Contest is now a thing of the past, but its memory lingers on, particularly in the minds of the judges and the rest of us who helped wade through the veritable mountain of entries that poured in. And that, as I no doubt mentioned before, was a gargantuan job that compares favorably with the task performed by Hercules. However, don't get the impression that we're complaining. On the contrary, we're very happy about the whole thing. And we're pleased beyond words at your gratifying response. We're proud, yes, very proud, that so many of you played the game with us and thought enough of it to enter the contest. And beyond that, we're even prouder that so many of you knew and felt the real meaning of the words, all men are created equal, a phrase that guarantees equal rights to all citizens of the United States under our Constitution. Some of you mentioned that this right was not quite fulfilled with respect to some minorities in our country, and you're not completely wrong. But all of you will admit that things are moving in the right direction, and that more and more, all kinds of people are beginning to acknowledge that all men are created equal. And more and more, this is becoming a meaningful phrase in our daily lives. So once again, we say a million thanks to all of you for your response to our contest. We hope more of you win in our next one. Of course, we don't know, so we can't tell you when that will be. In the meantime, we hope you'll continue to listen to and enjoy The Adventures of Superman every day, Monday through Friday, on these same stations at this same time. (laughs) 
And now, the adventures of Superman. Having learned that the famous Batman and the wealthy Bruce Wayne were one and the same person, a mysterious man who called himself Mr. Jones persuaded Batman to go away with him under the threat of revealing his secret. Then, holding Batman prisoner, Jones sent a man who looked very much like Batman and who had been trained to impersonate him to Metropolis, where he made un-American speeches and led Robin, Batman's young companion, into an ambush. While Superman was trying to locate Jones, who he had learned was really a rabble-rouser named Mort Beeler, Batman and Robin, chained to the wall in an old revolutionary barracks, knocked out a henchman of Jones's who ventured too near and searched him, hoping to find a gun with which they could free themselves from their chains. But the man was without a gun. Their last hope gone, the dynamic duo could only stand by helplessly as Jones entered the long, dimly lit room. And Jones did have a revolver. What are you two up to, huh? Don't mind us, Jonesy. We're just playing patty cake with your gorilla. Really? And you won't play any more games, because I'm going to well, take care of you both right now. Quick, Robin, drop the floor behind Jones' pal. Leave this. Hey, what are you two up to now? Drop your gun, Jones. I got you covered. Holy smokes. What? Don't make me laugh, Batman. This is no joke. I've got your gorilla's gun. What a bluff. What? You heard me, Jones. Now drop your gun or I'll shoot. Help! Stop, Jones. Stop or I'll shoot. He's gone, Batman. He fell for the old shell game. Sure, he's yellow. I never knew a rabble rouser that wasn't. What do you think he'll do now? He'll probably come back with reinforcements. Oh, here he comes. Stand back. The first guy who pokes his head in here gets a bullet in his head. See that, Robin? <laughs> yeah, they duck back like rats in their holes. What now, what, Batman? We won't be able to fool them forever. Yeah, I know. Up on your feet, Chubby. Come on. What's the gimmick? We've got to make another try to snap these chains. Are you kidding? We've already tried for hours. I know, but we've got to try again. Now, come on now. Put your foot against the wall and then throw yourself backward. Okay. Oh, it's no use, Batman. They won't break. No, I guess you're right, Robin. We're not getting anyplace. I wonder what friend Jonesy is up to now. Oh, something rotten. You can bet your bottom dollar on that. Hey, wait. What's that? What? Do you smell smoke? She whiz, yes. Yeah, you know, I hear something burning, too. Listen. Holy smokes. This joint is on fire. What's that? That's it, Robin. If it gets too hot in there, call up the fire department. <laughs> Uh-oh. Back in. John set this place on fire to, to finish it. Right, Robin. <laughs> yes, looks as if we jumped right out of the frying pan into the fire. <laughs> Coughing as the smoke begins to swirl through the long, low room, Batman and Robin realize that their final desperate ruse has now also ended in failure. Meanwhile, in the farmhouse of William Hempel, where papers are strewn all over the floor, Superman and Hempel have been unable to locate the envelopes bearing the name and address of Mort Beeler, alias Mr. Jones. You said you were sure those envelopes were here, Mr. Hempel. No, they were, Superman. Like I told you, Beeler sent him asking for contributions to his no-good society. Well, then where are they? Well, beats me. All I can think is maybe me and my wife threw them out. Oh, great Scott, what'll I do? I've got to find Jones, I mean, Beeler's address, because I'm sure he's holding Batman and Robin someplace. I sure wish I could help you, Superman. Wait, Mr. Hempel. You say this man, Beeler, goes around the countryside making speeches and trying to get support for his Let Europe Starve campaign. Yeah. Then he sends letters to the people who heard him speak asking for money. Well, if he's spoken around here and sent you letters, 
He must have sent letters to some of your neighbors, too. Why, sure. I was speaking to Sam Hoffmeyer just the other day about it. Sam says he got a letter, but... Well, Where does Hoffmeyer live? His farm's just the other side of Mayfield on the turnpike. Good. I'll find him. See you later, Mr. Hample, and thanks. Up, up, and away! <laughs> Apple says you've got a letter from this man, Mort Beeler, too, Mr. Hoffmeyer, asking you to contribute to his un-American campaign. Yep, I did, Superman. Well, tell me, have you a But copy? he won't get no money from me. No, but I... I ought to say, we got to help them poor folks over there. Yes, yes, of course we do. But uh, what about the letter? Do you still have it? Uh, let's see. Uh, I reckon so. Oh, well, will you show it to me, please? It'll give me Beeler's address. Yeah, and then hold I... on, hold on. Seems to me I see it over here in the fruit bowl. Oh, well, usually we keep all letters and papers and sections here. Well, is it there? Uh, nope, it don't seem to be here now. Oh, oh, oh. now how will I find uh, it? Wait a minute, wait a minute. I kind of recollect taking it upstairs to Sarah the other day. Sarah? Yeah, that's my wife. Uh, she's been ailing some, so I took her up whatever letters and papers was around for... For best the time. Yes, yes. Well, will you please see if the letter's upstairs, Mr. Hoffmeyer? Uh, yep, uh, pull right up now. You just wait. I will, but hurry, please. Every second counts. Anxiously, Superman waits for Sam Hoffmeyer to seek out the precious letter from rabble rouser Mort Feeler, alias Mr. Jones. Meanwhile, the ancient prison barracks, set in a vast, desolate countryside, is blazing furiously as Batman and Robin, chained in the center of the burning structure, are helpless. What will happen? And now, back to the adventures of Superman. In a desolate countryside, the twilight sky for miles around is illuminated by the glare of a raging fire that is making an inferno of the ancient prison barracks, which dates back to the time of the Revolution. Outside the blazing wooden structure, a half dozen of Mr. Jones' followers stand, watching in awe. While to one side, smiling broadly, the rabble-rouser stands with Ed, the man who was trained to impersonate Batman. Well, Ed, that's the end of Batman and Robin. A tough way to go, Mr. Beaver. Huh? Feel sorry for him, do you? Well, kind of. Uh, You'll get over it when we start spending Batman's money. (laughs) Ed... What's the matter? Where are the suitcases? What suitcases? The ones with Batman's money. Why? Why, I thought you brought them out. I thought you did. Holy smoke. Come on, we've got to get them. No, wait, we can't go back in there. The roof will go down any minute. We've got to. There's over a million dollars worth of securities in those suitcases. They'll be burned up or we'll be killed. It isn't... No, we won't. The suitcases are in the kitchen near the door. For heaven's sake, come on, hurry. Well, all right. <laughs> Jones and Batman's impersonator rush into the rear of the blazing barracks, risking their lives to rescue their stolen loot. There is a rending crash, and the roof above them crashes down upon them. And at that moment, having finally learned the address of Jones' headquarters, Superman streaks through the skies toward the blazing barracks, then plummets down at the back of blazing, collapsing wreckage, where he finds Batman and Robin who lie unmoving. As Superman arrives too late to save the dynamic duo, as the rabble-rouser Jones and Batman's impersonator, who's driven by greed and bigotry, pulled down destruction upon their own heads, destroyed the courageous Batman and Robin, too. There are more thrills and surprises in tomorrow's smashing climax of our story, fellows and girls. So don't miss it. Tune in, same time, 
same station for The Adventures of Superman. Superman is a copyrighted feature appearing in Superman DC Comics Magazine and is brought to you Monday through Friday at this same time. You're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater presented by Phoenix Media. Up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane. No, it's Superman. Faster than speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Look, up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. It's Superman. Superman, strange visitor from the planet Krypton, who came to Earth with amazing physical powers far beyond those of mortal men, and who, disguised as Clark Kent, mild-mannered reporter for a great metropolitan newspaper, wages a never-ending battle for truth and justice. Today, having streaked through the sky to the burning prison barracks in which Batman and Robin were imprisoned, Superman hovers high in midair, then stiffens in horror at what he sees below him. Great Scott, I'm afraid I'm too late to save Batman and Robin, but I must try. Down to them! Down! And you remember as far back as this morning, gang, just after you finished dressing for school and mother served up a delicious and nourishing breakfast? Well, there was lots of what it takes in that food to keep young folks pepped up in high gear. Vitamins and calories essential to the development of your mind and body. Now, do you recall that long about lunchtime, you felt the driving need for more of the same? Well, that was because you had used up all the energy contained in your breakfast. You needed more, and mother saw to it that you got it. But in lots of homes in Europe and Asia, war-ravaged parts of the world, other boys and girls like you, who also need vitamins and calories to keep going, didn't have them. All they got to eat today was maybe a little thin soup and a crust of dry bread. And it wasn't because their mothers didn't recognize their need and want to fulfill it. It was because that's all there was in the house. Now, how far do you think you could go on food like that? How much running and playing and schoolwork do you think you could accomplish with so little nourishment? Not much, believe me. You'd probably grow thin and weak and listless, and so become subject to sickness and disease. Well, that's exactly what is happening to thousands and thousands of boys and girls all over the world, all through no fault of their own, simply because they are innocent victims of war. But something can be done to help them get the proper kind of food necessary to health and strength, so that they, too, can grow up to be useful citizens of the world. And you can help them. You, the lucky boys and girls of America can help them by joining the Crusade for Children, a nationwide organization of American young people dedicated to helping the less fortunate children overseas. Later, I'll tell you more about this wonderful opportunity you have to do something helpful. So stay with us. And now, the adventures of Superman. Motivated by selfishness and greed, a rabble-rouser named Mort Beeler, who masqueraded as a Mr. Jones, captured the famous Batman and arranged for a man who had been trained to impersonate Batman to make un-American speeches. Then Robin, Batman's young companion, was led into an ambush and captured. 
while Superman tried to trace his friends by the means of a recording of Jones's voice. Jones and the impersonator appeared at Batman's bank and took possession of his large fortune. Then they returned to an old revolutionary barracks far upstate to do away with Batman and Robin. There, the dynamic duo staved off disaster temporarily by overpowering a guard and pretending to have a gun. But Jones countered by setting fire to the ancient barracks in which Batman and his young companion were chained to heavy beams. By a grim stroke of fate, Jones and the impersonator were struck down in the burning wreckage when part of the roof collapsed. Now, as Superman zooms down into the flaming building, the rest of the roof is buckling, about to collapse upon the unconscious forms of Batman and Robin. Batman! Robin! Oh, oh they're unconscious! That chain! Hey, that roof's gonna fall in a second! I better rip these chains out of the wall like this. I'll just wrap my cape around these two like this. Uh oh, here comes that roof. Swiftly covering his unconscious friends with his brilliant red cape, Superman stands above them, shielding them as the blazing roof plunges down with a roar upon his head and shoulders. And now, up, up, and away! Steel shrugs the burning timbers from his shoulders and protecting the two limp figures in his arms, leaps from the inferno high into the clear, cool sky, looking like a gigantic phoenix, the fabulous firebird. Then, surveying the awesome scene below for an instant, Superman veers and sweeps away to the south, bound for Metropolis. Away! A short time later, in the house they occupy as Bruce Wayne and Dick Grayson, Batman and Robin have been seen and pronounced fit by their doctor. Now, after showers and a change into fresh clothes, they're in their kitchen with Superman, who has resumed his guise at Clark Kent. Bruce is making a third round of sandwiches, and Dick is pouring a second bottle of milk. Mmm, this is good eating. I must have been hungry. Well, good. I'll fix some more sandwiches. Mm -mm. <laughs> Oh, don't make any more for me, Bruce. I'm full. Mm, keep working, Bruce. I'll eat Mr. Kent's share. <laughs> okay, Dick. If you can take it, I can dish it up. Mm, you keep dishing, Joe, and I'll keep taking it. <laughs> Where do you put it all, Dick? Oh, I'm a growing boy, didn't you know? <laughs> or maybe the fire gave me an appetite. Oh, don't remind me of that. For once, I really thought we were done for. Well, me too. And we would have been if not for Superman. Hey, that reminds me. I, I didn't thank you, Clark. Oh, forget it, Bruce. Huh? What are you thanking him for? Why, oh, because I... I... Well, that's a fine question to ask, Dick. Didn't Clark find and identify that recording of Jones's voice I left behind? Oh, that's right. And then he turned over the info to Superman, huh? Oh, that's about right, huh? Hey, Clark? Yeah, well, uh, something like that. <laughs> <laughs> something is, something like that's good. Well, what are you two laughing about? Who, oh, me? Yes, you. There's something going on that I don't know about. Now, what gives? <laughs> well, maybe we'll tell you sometime. <laughs> yes, maybe. <laughs> oh, come on. Tell me now. No can do, Sonny Boy, so forget it. Now we... Maybe I can get. Don't bother, Dick. Forget it, I said. Oh, uh, look, Clark. Jones, Mort Beeler, I mean, and my impersonator are really done for, aren't they? Yep. They'll never pull another rascally trick in this world, Bruce. Well, I hate to say it, but they had it coming to them. They sure did. They weren't only thieves and murderers, but rabble-rousers who tried to turn people against each other, which is worse. Yes, they were the worst kind of rabble-rousers, Dick. You know, Jones had a printing press in that old prison barracks in which he used to print anti-racial pamphlets to mail out all over the country. No kidding. Sure. Yeah, he was a nice guy. All right. Say, that reminds me. Anybody get a newspaper? Why? I want to look at the want ads. With all our money burned up in the fire, we'll have to get jobs. You and Bruce have jobs, Dick. Your job is to bat against crooks and rabble-rousers. Oh, we do that for free and for fun. 
And I'm spoiled. I like to eat three square meals a day. Oh, what I've seen this evening, I like to eat four or five. <laughs> well, don't worry, Dick. You'll keep on eating. Clark tells me that Beeler and my impersonator needn't have gone back into the fire for the securities they stole from me because one of their men had brought the suitcases out. Well, I'll be darned. Pretty ironic, huh? Yes, but good. And when Superman went back there after bringing us here this evening, he picked up our little nest egg. And the followers of the late Mr. Jones Beeler, who were starting for places unknown. Oh, well, isn't that nice? Ah, that Superman, you know, he's a lad after my own heart. And my... Holy smokes! What's the matter, Clark? Oh, a fine newspaper reporter I am. Here I got a big scoop, but instead of rushing into the Daily Planet, I sit here idly playing tiddlywinks with you guys. Hey, hey, wait a minute. Out of my way, I've got to fly. And I do mean fly. So long, chum. So long, Mr. Kent. And thanks. Yeah, thanks, and happy landings, Clark. Call me anytime. So long. Batman at Robin's house, Clark Kent pauses in the shadows to resume his true identity of Superman. Then, up, up, and away! Man of Steel takes again to the airways and speaks across the tall skyscrapers and broad avenues of the city to the Daily Planet, where he meets head-on with a startling surprise. And now, back to the adventures of Superman! Back at the Metropolis Daily Planet in his disguise as Clark Kent, mild-mannered and spectacled reporter, Superman typed the amazing story of Mort Beeler and Batman and Robin. Then, ripping the last page of the story from his typewriter, he strode to his office door and threw it open on the bustling city room. Copy! Copy, boy! Coming up, Mr. Kent. Come on, Beanie. Come on, step on it. Yes, sir. You got something hot, Mr. Kent? Well, I got a scoop for page one, that's a all. Scoop, huh? Yes, what? but at the rate you're traveling, it'll be ancient history by the time you get it to the city at his desk. Oh, God. All right, never mind the conversation. Now, here, Beanie, take this to Mr. Burroughs. And shift into high gear, will you please? Yes, sir. I'm on my way. <laughs> oh, what a kid. I wonder if he still plays euchre. Oh, oh what a day. Even I can stand a bit of relaxing right now. Oh, and there's my phone. Now what? Hello? Hello, Kent. Yes, who's this? This is Candy Myers. Well, hello, Candy. Hey, how's the private detective business? It's running me into the ground, chum. Oh. I need your help, but bad. Oh, now look, what would a super sleuth need me for? Now, please, Kent, don't make with a quiz game. Why, what's the matter? I wouldn't be calling you all the way from England just for a gag. England? Yeah, London, England. And if you don't get here to give me a hand soon, I'll be pushing up English daisies in a British potter's feet. Hey, sounds serious, Candy. It is serious. What's more, it's a terrific story for you. Well, just tell me where I can find you, and I'll see you before you can say tea and crumpets. I'm staying at the Three Georges Hotel in London. That's all I need to know, Candy. So long. I'll see you soon. Replacing the phone, Clark Kent leaps across his office and turns the lock in his door, then strips off his business suit and spectacles, and is revealed once more in the skin-tight blue costume and crimson cape of Superman. Up! Up and away! Leaping high through his office window, Superman veers to the east and straightening out like a great red and blue arrow, hurtles across the city and out over the broad Atlantic Ocean, bound for London, England, and Candy Myers. <laughs> What is the terrific story in which Superman's private detective friend is involved, and in which he requires Superman's help? It is a terrific story, fellows and girls, just as Candy promised. And we can promise you that you'll be sitting on the edges of your chairs from beginning to end. So be sure to tune in tomorrow, same time, same station, and listen to Chapter One of The Kingdom Under the Sea on... 
The Adventures of Superman. Superman is a copyrighted feature appearing in Superman DC Comics magazine and is brought to you Monday through Friday at this same time. Get this and previous episodes of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater wherever you get podcasts or by visiting phoenixmedia.us forward slash Silver Age Heroes. Join us again, same bat time, same bat station, for another presentation of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. Excelsior! Thank you for tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. I'm your host, Christian Phoenix. Now, growing up as a comic book fan of the 80s and 90s, I've always been fascinated with how storytellers translated these iconic heroes from the page to film, television, and radio. Long before we got the big-budget CGI epics we enjoy today, children gathered around their radios to hear their favorite do-gooders come to life with little more than their imaginations and these broadcasts from a time long forgotten. I invite you to gather around your radio for this presentation of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Look, up in the sky, it's a bird. It's a plane. It's Superman. It's Superman, strange visitor from the planet Krypton, who came to Earth with amazing physical powers far beyond those of mortal men. Doe, disguised as Clark Kent, mild-mannered reporter for a great metropolitan newspaper, wages a never-ending battle for truth and justice. Today, Superman, in his guise of Clark Kent, is on the receiving end of an odd and rather puzzling request from an old friend via transatlantic radio phone. Listen. Hello, Kent. Yes, who's this? This is Candy Myers. Well, hello, Candy. Hey, how's the private detective business? Oh, it's running me into the ground, chum. I need your help with that. Oh, now look, wait a minute. What would a super sleuth need me for? Please, Kent, don't make with the quiz game. Huh? I wouldn't be calling you all the way from England just for a gag. England? Yeah, London, England. And if you don't get here to give me a hand soon, I'll be pushing up English daisies in a British potter's field. Hey, sounds serious, Candy. Now, look, fella, just tell me where I can find you, and I'll see you before you can say tea and crumpets. You know, gang, our wonderful country is full of little things that are definitely and distinctly American. I mean, not only things like ham and eggs, hot dogs, popcorn and sodas. What I refer to specifically are special days or weeks. There are all sorts of days, ranging from Mother's Day and Father's Day all the way down to a variety of tag days. Then there are special weeks, such as Safety Week, Be Kind to Animals Week, and even a Donut Week. 
Now the president has proclaimed a new week, Brotherhood Week. And this, so far as we're concerned, is the most important of all. American Brotherhood Week, proclaimed by President Truman for observation beginning Monday, February 22nd, is designated so that you and I and all other Americans can concentrate our thinking on the evils of race prejudice. It's set aside so that we can contemplate the peace that comes from understanding of our fellow man. It's a period during which we are invited to give serious thought to the fact that the very greatness of the United States is a result of the wonderful mixture of races, religions, and ancestries that are found here. A mixture of thinking, habits, and cultures, out of which has come the magnificent traditions of our country. So you see, in order to preserve that which in just a few hundred years has made the United States one of the biggest, best, and most powerful countries in the world, it's necessary for us to throw out all prejudice and to practice tolerance. Let's make Brotherhood Week last all 52 weeks of the year. And now, the adventures of Superman. When Clark Kent received a telephone call from private detective Candy Myers, who claimed to be talking from London, England, he thought the sleuth was joking. But he changed his mind when on the phone he heard Myers say... his friend and smelling a big news story, Kent arranged for Lois Lane to take over his work. Then, as Superman rocketed across the icy Atlantic to Britain's capital. As we join him now, a very short while later, the Man of Steel has resumed his guise and garb of reporter Clark Kent and knocks on the door of room 315 in the Three Georges Hotel, the address given him by Candy Myers. Yeah? Open up, Candy. Who is it? Me, Clark Kent. What? Who? Clark Kent. Who are you kidding, chum? I just talked to Kent in Metropolis. Come on, open the door, will you, and see for yourself. Okay. I'm opening up for a quick look. But I got a nervous finger and a hair trigger, and if it's action you want, you'll get it. Ha <laughs> ha, that's my boy. All right, reach high, bud, and fast. Easy, Candy, easy. Holy cow, it, it is you, yeah, Kent. Sure it is. Now let me in so we can close your door. Yes, but, but how how did you... I'll explain some other time. First, suppose no, you... wait a minute, chum. Wait a minute. Let me catch my breath. Now sit down. Relax. Your face is white and you're trembling. Well, who wouldn't be after what I've been going through? And then, on top of that, you dropping in on me 3,000 miles from where I talked with you on the phone just a few minutes no, ago. Forget about that. Tell me what's Look, wrong with you. what'd you do? Hire Superman for a trip like this? Candy, you'll never know how close you've come to the truth. But now, look, the important thing is, what's going on with you here? Well, for one thing, I, uh, I got a killer on my tail. A killer? Who is it? Well, I don't know, except that he's some guy who's out to get Dude McCoy. Remember him? Dude McCoy? Wasn't that the name of the famous jewel thief and confidence man, the one who was reported drowned a couple of years ago? That's the McCoy, brother. Only he wasn't drowned. Are you kidding? McCoy was lost with everyone else aboard on a yacht that was torpedoed just before the end of the war. Sure, that's what I thought, too. Until I found him here in London. But that's impossible, Candy. Are you... Look, pro- Kent, a couple of years before that yacht was sunk, I was hired to find a diamond necklace worth two million bucks. I traced that string of ice to Dude McCoy, and I was just about to grab him when he got wise somehow and gave me the slip. Well, that was too bad, but I saw... Wait, that... wait, now. I was sore because that made me look pretty stupid, to say nothing of the big fee I was done out of. 
So when I got a tip from an old partner of mine who happened to be passing through London that he'd seen McCoy here, I grabbed the first clipper I could get. And you've seen him? Sure. Tracked him down to a little cottage in a suburb where he's living under a phony moniker. Hey, you like that? How did you know it was the real McCoy? Brother, I'd know that guy with my eyes closed. Of course, he denied being the dude at first. Yeah. Then when he saw I was wise, he broke down and admitted it. When I asked him, he told me all about how he was picked up by a Nazi sub and bribed his way after a long time to England. Well, that's an interesting story, Candy. Finding him again is a feather in your cap. That's only the beginning, Kent. What do you mean? You don't think I'd ask you to come all the way over here to help me bring back a broken-down old crook, do you? Well, I wonder... And you don't think I'm hiding away in a small hotel from a character like that? Now, look, what did you ask me to come out here for? And what are you hiding from? I'm hiding out from a killer who's out to get me and McCoy because he thinks McCoy has let me in on a secret that'll set the whole world on his ear. Did McCoy tell you? Now, let me give you the whole story. Okay, Candy. When I went to put the pinch on McCoy, he pleaded with me to let him alone because he had a bad heart and the medics told him he hadn't long to go. Oh? I told him my job was to bring him in. Uh Uh-huh. Then he offered to make a deal with me. I'll never forget standing there in the garden behind his cottage with the birds chirping while I did a slow burn. And while I'm burning, he keeps talking. You think you're the best known detective in the world, Myers? If you make this deal with me, it'll be worth a fortune to you. Now, look, McCoy, for one thing, I'm doing all right. What's more, I don't make deals with crooks. Wait, Myers, listen to me. You remember Sir John Higginson, the famous scientist, and Sir Alfred Mokridge, the king's personal physician? Two men who disappeared before the war and have never been heard of since? Sure, I do. So what? If I told you they were both alive and told you where they could be found, would you leave me here to die in peace? Now, look, dude. My job is to bring you in so you can stand trial for your crimes. But if you're telling the truth and you really can't tell me where to find those two great men, well, the best I can offer is a promise to do what I can to get you off easy. All right, Myers. I haven't long to live anyhow. So getting this off my chest will make whatever comes easier to bear. Maybe pay a little for what I've done. So get set to hear the most fantastic story ever told. Go on, shoot. Where are Higginson and Sir Alfred? They're both alive and living now in an ancient buried kingdom located under the Atlantic Ocean. What? You mean they turned into mermen? No, no, no. This kingdom, which is known to and used by all the big-time crooks as a hideout... Is under the bed of the ocean. Is that so? And I suppose Higginson and Mokridge, who are not crooks but great scientists, are just down there for a gin rummy game, huh? They were kidnapped because Higginson as a scientist, Mokridge as a doctor, and needed to help keep the place healthy. Oh, brother, you expect me to believe that? I can prove every word of it's true. I can tell you exactly where it's located so you can take a shipload of police with you and make the biggest haul of criminals ever caught at one time. Yeah, how do we get down there? Just fall overboard? A diving belt takes you down. Here, let me draw you a map. Go ahead. Amuse yourself. This is the Atlantic Ocean Sea. Now, the Underseas Kingdom is located right up. What the thing? Holy Jemima, dude! Hey, dude! And now, back to the adventures of Superman. Candy Myers, private detective friend of Clark Kent, has just told the Daily Planet reporter, who is really Superman, how Dude McCoy, a wanted jewel thief, was just about to reveal the location of an underseas hideout for criminals when two shots rang out and McCoy fell to the ground. Who shot McCoy, Candy? Well, I don't know, Kent. I had a quick look, but whoever it was knew his way around better than I did and made a clean getaway. And McCoy? Did he die? Not yet. I managed to get him to a hospital, but the docs tell me that with two bullets in the chest and a bad heart, he hasn't much chance. 
Golly, this story of his about a kingdom under the sea sort of intrigues me. I don't know whether to believe it or not. Well, there must be something to it, Kent. Or else why would somebody try to knock him off when he was telling me where it was located? That's right. With a chance of finding Higginson and Mogridge, plus bagging a mess of wanted criminals, it certainly would be worth looking for. Yeah, but unless McCoy comes too, we'll never have a chance to find it. What about the killer? The one who... Where'll I get that phone? Hello? Yeah? This is Myers. Who? Oh, yeah. He is, huh? Uh Uh-oh. You bet. I'll be there in two shakes. Coy's coming around? Yeah, but he's not long for this world, so if we hope to get him to talk, we've got to get to that hospital fast. Well, come on. Let's go. Rushing out of the hotel room, Clark Kent and Candy Myers dash downstairs and hail a cab. Will they reach the hospital before Dude McCoy expires? And if so, will he be able to tell them more about the fantastic underseas hideout? Tomorrow's episode is packed full of suspense and thrills, so don't miss it. Be sure to be with us again tomorrow for Chapter 2 of Kingdom Under the Sea. An exciting story in The Adventures of Superman. Superman is a copyrighted feature appearing in Superman DC Comics Magazine and is brought to you Monday through Friday at the same time. Something right here, uh huh. It's the Loot Crate subscription box, yeah, full of exclusive loot on surprises and delivered to your door every month. Just pick up your favorite geeky genre, Daddy. <laughs> From the original Loot Crate, the Loot Crate DX collectible boxes, dude. Cowabunga! To the Loot Gaming video game box. Woohoo! Yeehoo! Wowzers! With crates starting as low as $11.99 per month, those are backs just about for all collectors. To get your geek on, head over to phoenixmedia.us forward slash loot crate and claim your exclusive offer. That's F-E-N-I-X media dot U-S forward slash loot crate. Great Scott! Snap into a loot crate, it. You're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater, presented by Phoenix Media. Up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane, no, it's Superman. Faster than a speeding bullet, more powerful than a locomotive, able to leap tall buildings at single bounds. Look, up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane, it's Superman! It's Superman, strange visitor from the planet Krypton, who came to Earth with amazing physical powers far beyond those of mortal men, and who, disguised as Clark Kent, mild-mannered reporter for a great metropolitan newspaper, wages a never-ending battle for truth and justice. Today, Superman and his guise of Clark Kent is with private detective Candy Myers when they arrive at a hospital in London, England where, instead of information about a fabulous kingdom under the sea, which they expect from a mortally wounded man named Jude McCoy, they are met with shocking news. Uh, Myers. Oh, I hello, been... Inspector. This is Clark Kent, a reporter pal of mine from America. How do you do, Inspector? How do you do? Okay, now, can we see McCoy right away? No, no, Myers. I'm afraid you're too late. Oh, no. You... 
You mean he's... he's dead? Not yet, but he's in a deep coma. And the doctors don't expect him to come out of it. Well, that fixes us, Kent, but good. Listen carefully now, gang, to what I'm about to say, because what you'll hear is a warning. That's right, a warning designed to put you on the alert so that you will be aware of a dangerous booby trap. Most of you, I'm sure, know what a booby trap is, but just to jog your memory, I'll tell you that a booby trap is a vicious, deadly device of war. It can be a phony flower pot, a pretty picture on the wall, a comfortable chair. Just anything innocent-looking, but rigged and set to explode the moment it is touched by an unwary sucker. Yes, that is what they are in war. But ideas can be booby traps, too, believe me. You can fall victim to ideas that sound innocent enough when you hear them, but you find that they explode in your face if you attempt to use and apply them in daily life. Now, one phony idea than any other person is not as good as you are because of his race, his origin, or the way he worships God is a booby-trap idea. It's deadly, explosive, rigged by bigoted, prejudiced people with premeditated intent to set friend against friend. Yes, that booby-trap idea can make a nation weak and a people divided. It can even lead to war. We know that's true because we saw it happen when the German people fell for the phony booby-trap idea of the master race. Well, the same thing can happen to us if we fall for that stuff. So let's be on the alert against the phony ideas of racial prejudice and religious bigotry. The idea of booby traps that are waiting for suckers to fight. Let's be aware of the danger and do our utmost to resist attempts to pit Americans against other Americans. And now, the adventures of Superman. When Clark Kent, who is Superman, met Candy Myers in London, England, his private detective friend told him a strange story of Jude McCoy, a famous jewel thief who, in return for permission to live his last few remaining years in peace, offered to reveal the location of a fantastic hiding place under the sea. McCoy, according to Candy, swore that not only were a number of internationally sought criminals hiding out in this fabulous ancient kingdom buried under the Atlantic, but that John Higginson, a famous American scientist, and Sir Alfred Mogridge, a world-renowned British physician, both of whom had mysteriously disappeared before the war, were being held prisoners there. But before McCoy could reveal the location of the undersea's hideaway, he was shot by an unseen assailant. And as we join them now, Clark Kent and Candy Myers are in a hospital anteroom where Inspector Lansing of Scotland Yard has just announced... Um, afraid you're too late, gentlemen. McCoy's fallen to deep coma. The doctors don't expect him to come out of it. Oh, no. Well, that fixes us, Kent, but good. Come, come, Myers. Don't take it too hard. After all, this, this balderdash you mentioned to me of a kingdom of criminals buried under the sea is probably sheer nonsense. I don't think so, Inspector. Neither do I. Because if that were so, why should anyone shoot McCoy just when he was telling Candy about it? Well, I, I suppose that is a consideration, Mr. Kent. You're doggone tootin' it is. Inspector. Oh, Inspector. Yes, Doctor. I thought perhaps you'd like to know that McCoy may come out of his coma briefly, but... Oh, boy. Easy, Candy. So, if you like, you may come and stand by his bedside. Just on a chance, you know. Thank you, Doctor. We'll follow you. Come, gentlemen. Let's see. Under the Atlantic Ocean. Buried Kingdom. Wonderful hideout. Sir Is there a chance that he'll stop raving like this, Doctor? Yes, I think so, Mr. Kent. Soon. I can keep the place clean. You've got I to sure believe hope me, this doesn't last long. He gives me the creeps. I've only I can tell you exactly... Quick, quick, Doctor. I think he's gone. No, no, he's coming out of it. Oh, Kent, if he only lasts long enough to finish what he started to tell me. He may, Candy. Look, his eyes are opening. 
You may speak to him now. Thanks, Doc. Hiya, dude. That, that you, mind? Yeah, dude, it's me. Good. I, I want to tell you where to find the underseas kingdom. Yeah, go on, fellow. Where is this place, huh? What, dude? Lots of crooks there. Take them. Leave me here. Sure, boy. I'll leave you here. Now, where? You better do something, Doctor. Look, he's going out. There's nothing more I can do, gentlemen. Mayors, Mayors, listen. Yeah, do it what? Ask, ask Tippy. Who? Oh. Tippy. Tippy? Yeah, yeah. Ask, ask Tippy. You, Dude. Hey, dude, listen. Who's Tippy? What Hold on, Mr. Myers. McCoy's dead. Oh, Poor guy. He tried his best. Yeah, I'm afraid we didn't get much information. Maybe we did, Inspector. If we could find this tippy he spoke of. Yeah, if. That may be a bit difficult in a city such as London. Yeah. Well, come on, let's discuss this outside. Does the name Tippy ring a bell with you, Candy? Well, I seem to remember having heard the name Tippy somewhere. It certainly is an odd name. Yeah. Could, could it be the name of a child or, or someone's nickname? Could very well be. No, it's not a kid. No. What about a pet? Uh, a puppy, maybe, or, or a... Wait a minute. Wait a minute, I got it. Really, old man? Oh, say, Candy, what is it? Tippy is the name of a parrot. A parrot? My word. Yeah, a little parrot with green and yellow feathers. And get this, Tippy is Dude McCoy's parrot. Are you sure? Positive. Tippy and I had quite a conversation while I sat in McCoy's garden waiting for him one day. Well, I'll You mean we've got to talk with a parrot about the location of this, this fantastic kingdom under the sea? That's what McCoy said. Ask Tippy, he oh, says. Extraordinary. Well, what are we waiting for? Let's go out to McCoy's place and have a chat with Tippy. Grab your hat. That's Jensen. Follow me. You remember which room the parrot's in, Candy? Sure. The last time I was here, dude put him in that back parlor over there. Well, lead the way, Myers. Okay, come on. Uh-oh. What now, Ken? You'll see, Inspector. He should be right up... Jumping Jemima! What is it, old man? He's gone, Inspector. What? Tippy the parrot, he's gone. Are you quite sure? Yeah, there's the stand of his cage hung on. Empty bite, Joe. Uh, maybe he's in another room. Let's have a look. Don't bother, Candy. Parrot's nowhere in this house. How do you know? Did you look in all the rooms? Uh, yeah, yes, I did. Now look, Inspector, do you mind if we ask the constable outside if the parrot was here when he arrived? That's a splendid idea, splendid. Ah, why didn't I think of that? Constable, will you come here, please? Right away, sir. Come right inside and close the door behind you, please. Now, Constable, tell me, did you go over this cottage when you arrived on duty? I did, sir. I went over the place carefully, sir. Very good. Do you recall seeing a parrot anywhere on these premises? No, sir. There wasn't no parrot here, sir. Are you sure of that? Yes, sir, I am that. Just as I thought. Just as you thought. Certainly. If McCoy was shot to keep him from telling you the secret of the Underseas Kingdom... Uh, you think whoever did that put the snatch on the parrot for the same reason? Exactly. That's a sound deduction, by Joe. Very sound indeed. Uh, I guess so. But we got to find that parrot. we got to, because he's the only clue we've got to the location of the Underseas Kingdom, where Higginson and Mulgridge are. Finding that bird, my friend, will be a job too tough even for Superman, I'm afraid. Uh, uh, after all, there must be thousands of such birds in London, you know. Just the same, I'm going to hold it. Find hold, that. It. hold it. Don't move. What's up? Quiet, quiet, everyone. I'm going to open this door to the garden. I think there's something funny going on out there. Barely holding their breath. 
police. Candy Myers and the two London police officers stand rigid as Clark Kent cautiously opens the door that leads out on a little garden. Now, back to the adventures of Superman. While talking with Candy Myers and Inspector Lansing in a small cottage once occupied by Jude McCoy, Clark Kent, who is Superman, suddenly cautions them to be quiet. Then, slowly opening a door leading into the garden, Kent rushes out, followed by the others. No, you don't. Let me go. Come on, let me go. Say, I got him, Kent. You stand still. You go, I say. Who are you, man? What are you doing here? Who wants to know? Inspector Lansing, Scotland Yard. Oh, begging your pardon, Governor. My name's Higgins, sir. Alf Higgins. And I won't do nothing. Oh, blimey, I won't. Oh, give me that. What were you snooping around for? Just curiosity is all. Just curiosity. Seeing as how I knew the blighter that was shot here today. Oh, you did, eh? Well, look no. out. Did you know the man's parrot? Tippy? Yes. Sure, I knowed him. Knowed him well, too. You did, eh? But he ain't here no more, neither, Tippy ain't. How do you know that, Egan? Yeah, come on, give. How did you know that parrot wasn't here? Why, because I seen what happened to Tippy right after his master was shot. You did? Yes. I seen it with my young two eyes. I did. Come inside, Mr. Higgins. You're just the man we're looking for. Confident now that they are definitely on the trail of the missing parrot who holds the key to the kingdom under the sea, Clark Kent and Candy Myers prepare to question the sly cockney. But does Higgins know the right answer? Will our friends now be able to find the way to the hideout described by Jude McCoy, the fantastic underseas kingdom, where two famous missing men of science are held prisoner by international criminals? Tomorrow's episode is jam-packed with mystery and excitement, gang, so don't miss it. Be sure to tune in again tomorrow, same time, same station, for another thrilling chapter of Kingdom Under the Sea on The Adventures of Superman. Superman is a copyrighted feature appearing in Superman DC Comics Magazine and is brought to you Monday through Friday at this same time. You're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater presented by Phoenix Media. Up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane. No, it's Superman. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings in a single bound. Look, up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane, it's Superman! It's Superman, strange visitor from the planet Krypton, who came to Earth with amazing physical powers far beyond those of mortal men, and who, disguised as Clark Kent, mild-mannered reporter for a great metropolitan newspaper, wages a never-ending battle for truth and justice. Today, Superman and his guise of Clark Kent is in London with his private detective friend, Candy Myers, where they question a sly cockney in an effort to find a missing parrot who holds the secret of a fantastic kingdom under the sea. Now, look, Higgins, do you remember a parrot that belonged to the man who lived here? So, Governor, a parrot named Tippy it was. That's right. Where is he now? Who wants to know? Don't give me that who wants to know routine, you little punk. Easy, around. Candy, easy, don't. Do you know what's happened to the parrot, Higgins? I do, indeed. But I seen what happened to Tippy the night his master was shot. I did. Well, you're just the man we're looking for.
Jang, have you ever visited a newspaper publishing plant and seen the gigantic printing presses that roll off page after page of newsprint? Well, if you have, then you know how type is first set and then cast into a plate that is locked down to the printing roll. And then, once set, runs off copy after copy of pages, each exactly like the other. The plate is cast from the set type. It's called a stereotype. Well, strange as it may seem, the minds of a lot of people work just like that, too. They fix a mental picture of a kind of person and then apply that picture or mental stereotype to all people of the same racial, religious, or national background. Now, you know that no two people can possibly be exactly the same. You know that there are dark types and light types in all races. That some are tall and some are short. Some are fat, some are thin. Some are good and some are bad. So, you see, you can't stereotype people. Think how many stories you've read that included characters like Irish cops or Italian fruit peddlers or Negro porters. Well, if you judged by that alone, you'd be led to believe that all Irishmen are cops, all Italians fruit peddlers, and all Negroes porters. Well, maybe some are, but I'm sure you know some Irish insurance men, for instance, or Italian accountants and Negro doctors. So don't let yourself fall for the racial stereotype angle. Use your intelligence to help you realize that people can't be stereotyped like printing plates. Judge each individual for his own personal quality. Remember that although all people are created equal, each person develops his own personality. And no racial, religious, or national group is cut out of the same pattern. And now, the adventures of Superman. Before he died in a London hospital, a jewel thief named Jude McCoy told Clark Kent and Candy Myers that Tippy, his parrot, could tell them the secret location of a fantastic underseas kingdom where two famous missing men, a scientist and a physician, were prisoners of a band of international criminals. Accompanied by Inspector Lansing, a Scotland Yard man, Kent and Candy hurried to McCoy's cottage in a London suburb, but arrived to find someone had beaten them to it and that the parrot had disappeared. As they searched the cottage, Kent saw a man lurking in the shadows of the garden. Followed by Candy and Inspector Lansing, he rushed out and captured a small parrot-faced cockney who identified himself as Alf Higgins and admitted he knew what had happened to the missing parrot. Now back inside the house, they continue to question Higgins. Listen. Now, Higgins, would you mind telling me, please, when and where you saw the parrot last? Last night it was, out there in that garden when his master was shot. Are you sure of that? Oh, yes, Inspector, I am, sir. I was walking through the lane behind the cottage when suddenly, like, I heard two shots. Yeah? You heard them or you fired them? Is it? Oh, no, me, I never fired no firearm in my life, I did. We'll check on that later, Higgins. Go on with your story. Very well, Inspector. When I got here, I see Doc Pinkley and another fella carrying somebody into a car. That was me and the Doc taking Dude McCoy to the hospital. Oh, yes. Go on, Higgins. Well, while I'm standing here thinking to myself, oh, I ain't one with surprise that something like that happened to that McCoy bloke. All of a sudden, I see somebody opening the door to this cottage. Who was it? I don't know. I couldn't see him clear in the dark and the fog. But I did take notice. He was a biggish blighter. Not too thick through, I wouldn't say. But long-legged and with shoulders wide as a house. Did he stay in the house long? Not more than five minutes, Inspector. And then he come out. And this time, he was carrying a big bird cage. Holy cow, the parrot. He took the parrot. That's right, Governor. He took Tippy away with him. My word. Wonder who he was. Must have been the guy who shot McCoy. Could be. But not necessarily. Look, Higgins, can't you give us a better description? Something more to go by? Well, now, I don't know, Governor. It was dark and foggy, you know. But he did pass closer by me when he left here. Yeah, yeah. And I noticed a big shining gold ring in his ear. Gold earring? How extraordinary. Did he have them in both ears? I couldn't tell that. He came rolling by me on the left. 
See, that would make the ring dance floor in his right ear. Rolling by? You mean he, he, he walked with a rolling gait? Righto. Like a seafaring man does. Say, this is beginning to add up, Kent. Huh? A sailor and the underseas kingdom, that ties together. Oh, now, look, Andy. Sure, he shot dude McCoy just when dude was going to tell me the location of the kingdom under the sea. Then he stole Tippy so the parrot couldn't spell. Don't you see that? Well, yes, but we've got look, to be more... Inspector, look. Why don't you turn Higgins over to the constable on guard outside and let us go to the waterfront to have a look for this sailor character and Tiffy? That's a good wait, idea. Wait, you can't do this to him, and you can't. I know me, right? Be quiet. Look, can't be serious for looking for that sailor, Candy. Why not? Well, after all, we hardly... Night, Myers, and the dock sections are rather bad when you... So what? If you two are scared, you stay here. I'm going to look for that parrot. Well, that's the way you feel about it. And I'd better go along with you. Swell. Constable, take this man Higgins in custody. Let's go, men. It ain't getting any earlier. <laughs> After an hour of looking around in this fog-bound waterfront, Candy, I'm more convinced than ever we're on a wild goose chase. Perhaps it might be better to say a wild parrot chase, eh, kid? <laughs> it's very funny, Inspector. Yes, I, I think it is, too, by <laughs> Yeah, very funny. Yuck, yuck. Oh, come on, Candy. Don't lose your sense of humor. Okay, okay. Come on, let's look some more. Now, wait a minute. Just in case by some great stroke of fortune we should happen to see a parrot around here, how will we know whether or not it's Tippy? There'll be hundreds of green and yellow parrots. Yeah, but they don't all answer to the name of Tippy. Well, that's an excellent point, Besides, this tippy bird talks a blue streak, and yeah, this is important. I remember it always says hello Dutch when anybody says hello to it. Hello Dutch? That's right. I asked McCoy why it said that, and he just mumbled something and packed the bird off to another room. That's rather extraordinary, boy. Could that have some significance? Well, it's a cinch we'll never find out just standing here on this dock. Come on, let's get moving. <laughs> You too, but I'm getting rather tired. Not as young as I once was, you know. I can't blame you, Inspector. I have done a good deal of walking in and out of pubs and coffee shops. Yeah, it reminds me of the time I was pounding a beat out in Brooklyn. Hold it, Ken. Hold it. What's up, Ken? Look what's coming toward us. Seafaring man, my Joe. I can tell by the way he walks. Yeah, and jumping Jemima, there's a parrot on his shoulder. Right, look. Reflection for that street lamp on a gold earring. That's right. Can't be. You think that's Tiffy he's carrying? Could be. He's got green and yellow feathers. My word, Ken. How can you see that in the dark? Why, you hey, look at the shoulders on that guy. Wide as a house, like Higgins said. Ah, seems to fit the description of our man. Yeah. And we'll soon know if that's Tiffy on his shoulder. As soon as I talk to him, that is. Yeah, if he answers hello Dutch to my hello, that's our bird. Tensely, Clark, Kent, Candy, Myers, and Inspector Lansing wait for the sailor with the green and yellow parrot to reach them. Is this the end of their search for Duke McCoy's bird? Now, back to the adventures of Superman. Searching the London docks for the hearing sailor who had shot Jude McCoy and stolen Tippy, his parrot, Clark Kent spotted a man with a parrot that answered Tippy's description on his shoulder. And as we rejoin them now, Kent, Andy Myers, and Inspector Lansing of Scotland Yard wait tensely for the men to approach them. If the parrot answers hello, Dutch, when I say hello, then it's Tippy. There he comes, Candy. Now, talk to him. Tippy! Hello, Tippy! Hiya, Tippy! What are you blessed, Swamp, eh? 
Oh, I, uh, I'm afraid it's something you ain't got, pal. Case of mistaken identity. Sorry. Damn it, Cornfield, it shouldn't drink, Well, I seem to have drawn a blank, as you Americans would say, eh? What? Uh, you're so right, Inspector. Oh, don't let it get you down, Candy. You can't always expect to hit a bullseye on the first try. Of course not. I suggest we put an end to this night, Prowlin, and perhaps fly again tomorrow. Yes, we may have better luck in the daytime. Okay, okay. Let's see if we can find a cab and get back to my hotel. Right. Can we uh, drop you off somewhere, Inspector? No, thanks, gentlemen. I'll make my own way home. Cheerio. Good night, Inspector. Let's go, Candy. Oh, uh, clerk, can I have the key to my room? Well, certainly, Mr. Myers. Oh, by the way, there's a gentleman to see you, sir. You and Mr. Kent both. What? Say us. Yes, sir. He said he was an old friend and insisted that I let him to your quarters. I hope you don't mind. He was so insistent. Who in the world could that be, Kent? Come on, let's go up and find out. You open the door. I'll hold my gat ready just in case. Great Scott! What's the matter? Candy, get set for the surprise of your young life. What do you mean? Who? Quiet. Shh. Look who it is. Well, I'll be a monkey's uncle. His eyes wide, his mouth agape. Candy Myers stares at his visitor, who smiles back calmly as Clark Kent stands by. Who is it? Can this visitor have some connection with their futile search for the missing Paris who holds the key to the fantastic underseas kingdom? All we can tell you now, gang, is that Monday's episode includes a surprising turn of events and many thrills. So be sure not to miss it. Tune in again Monday, same time, same station, for another suspenseful episode in the exciting story of The Kingdom Under the Sea on The Adventures of Superman. Superman is a copyrighted feature appearing in Superman DC Comics Magazine and is brought to you Monday through Friday at the same time. You're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater presented by Phoenix Media. Up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane. No, it's Superman. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Look, up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane, it's Superman! It's Superman, strange visitor from the planet Krypton, who came to Earth with amazing physical powers far beyond those of mortal men, and who, disguised as Clark Kent, mild-mannered reporter for a great metropolitan newspaper, wages a never-ending battle for truth and justice. Today, Superman, in his guise of reporter Clark Kent, is with his private detective friend, Candy Myers, in London, England, when they find a surprise waiting for them in their hotel room. Wonder who it is the room clerk said was waiting for us up here, Kent. Well, we'll know soon enough, Candy. Here's our room. Yeah, here's the key. You open the door while I keep you covered with this gap, just in case. Okay. Great, Scott! What gives, Kent? Candy, you're in for the surprise of your life. Stand back while I open this door. Look who it is. Well, I'll be a monkey's uncle. 
As you know, gang, today is the day on which we celebrate the birth of George Washington, first president of the United States. One of the first things we are taught about Washington is that he was an unusually truthful man, a fact that is used to demonstrate that the father of our country had strength and courage. You see, to be truthful all the time, one must have strength and courage, because it is often easier to tell lies, and it's a great man who can always face the truth fairly and squarely. Now, there are many people who are afraid, or for selfish reasons, prefer not to tell the truth. People, for instance, who think they are better than others, and fear that if they face the truth, they will lose that false feeling of superiority. And so they make up lies to make gullible folks think they are better than people who look a bit different, or who go to a different church, or whose families were recent immigrants to our country. Of course, that's ridiculous. Any intelligent person knows that no man is better than any other because of the color of his skin, the shape of his nose, or the way he worships. George Washington knew that. He knew that anything other than that was a lie, and he had no use for lies or liars. To Washington, all men were brothers under the skin. That is why his birthday was chosen to be the first day of Brotherhood Week, which begins today. Gang, I know we all want to follow in the footsteps of the father of our country, the man who is said to have never told a lie. So I suggest you join me in what we will call the George Washington Patrol. Later, I will tell you more about this, so keep listening. And now, the adventures of Superman. In London, England, a dying jewel thief named Jude McCoy told Clark Kent and Detective Candy Myers of a fantastic kingdom under the sea where a band of criminals hide away from the law and hold as useful prisoners a world-famous scientist and a renowned physician. But before he could reveal the location of the undersea's hideout, McCoy was shot and killed, telling them with his last breath that his parrot could give them the required information. Then, when Kent and Candy went to get the parrot, they discovered that it had been stolen by a burly sailor who was described as wearing a large gold ring in his ear. After several hours of fruitless search through the fog-bound London dock area, Kent and Candy returned to their hotel, tired, discouraged. Advised by the desk clerk that a visitor awaited them in their room, they hurried upstairs. And as we join them now, Kent has just flung open the door. Look who it is, Candy. Well, I'll be a monkey's uncle. Hiya, fellas. Jumping Jemima, Jim Olsen. Hey, surprise. Well, what are you doing here, Jim? Yeah, how did you get when here? When did you arrive? Hey, hey, wait a minute. That's a fine way to greet a guy. Well, after Aren't all... Aren't you even glad to see me, Mr. Kent? Well, yes, Jim, oh, sure, but... you, Candy? I haven't seen you in months. Well, sure, kid. It's good to see you, but... Well, we uh... can get to that later. What I want to know right now is why are you here, how did you get here, and when? Yeah, come on, son. Give out with the facts and particulars. Okay, I arrived in London on the Clipper early tonight. The Clipper, huh? Why? What brings you here? Oh, nothing special. Miss Lane told me you got an SOS from Candy to come to London, and I know when the two of you get together, there's usually action. So... Well, I just wanted to get in on it, that's all. <laughs> How do you like that? Some kid, eh, Kent? <laughs> I wish you don't mind, do you, Mr. Kent? Well, no, not really, Jim. Except I still can't figure out how you managed to get the time off. Oh, that's easy. And who financed your trip? Yeah, you don't fly New York to London on the Clipper for peanuts, exactly. It didn't cost me anything. Are you kidding? No. Come. I won a round-trip ticket as a prize for a short story I wrote and entered in a contest. How what? about that? I found out you'd gone to London, Mr. Kent. I asked the chief if I could take the week's vacation I had coming, because I had the Clipper tickets in all, and all. The chief said okay. Sure. <laughs> hey, now tell me what's cooking here. After okay, all. Okay, Jim. All right, I'll tell you. You see, Candy and I are trying to find the location of a kingdom under the sea. Sure you. 
What? You heard him, pal. We're looking for an undersea kingdom that's supposed to be located somewhere under the floor of the Atlantic Ocean. Oh, no. That's look, the truth, Jim. Quit the kid and I can take a this joke. This ain't a comedy routine, pal. We got plenty of reason to believe that undersea's layout is a hideaway for top-ranking crooks that any cop, any place in the world, that give us right on the pitch. But, gee whiz, a kingdom under the sea? Well, that's impossible. Incredible, Jim, but not impossible. After what's happened so far tonight, I'm more than willing to believe the whole thing. And that goes double for me in Spain. Hey, look, how about telling me the whole story? Sure, go on, Candy. Might as well give it to him now as later. Okay, pull up your lap, Jim, and get comfortable, and Uncle Candy will tell you a bedtime story that'll curl your hair. I'm all set. Well, I first heard about this layout from a light-fingered schmo I was tailing on account of he lifted a string of ice from a client of mine. When I put the gab on him, he made a pitch for a break because his doctor told me... When McCoy finished telling me about this kingdom under the sea, he began drawing me a map to show where the place was located. She was Candy. Where is it? Where's the map? Look, who's writing this material? Be quiet, Jim. Let Candy finish his story. Oh, I'm sorry, Candy. Okay. Sorry. Like I was saying, McCoy began drawing a map, and I was drooling at the thought of all the rewards I was going to collect for the crooks I'd grabbed in the hideout when some guy pumps a couple of slugs into McCoy. And killed him? Yeah. But he lasted just long enough to tell us that Tippy could give us the info we needed. Oh, well, who's Tippy? McCoy's parrot. His parrot? That's right, Jim. A parrot who had apparently been taught some key words that would indicate the location of the undersea's kingdom. Well, I'll be... Well, where is it? The parrot, I mean. That, Jimmy boy, is the $64 question. Yes, someone we suspected was McCoy's killer stole the bird and disappeared with it. Holy smokes. And all we know about the crook is that he's a tall, broad-shouldered sailor who wears a gold ring in one ear. Oh, boy. A chance of finding him in a city like this. We found that out after several hours of scouring pubs and coffee shops on the dock. But I'm not through looking. No, sir. I'm starting to scour the waterfront again at the crack of dawn. And if he's still in London, I'll find him. Can I go with you, Candy? Sure, we'll all go together. Let's turn in now and get a few hours sleep, huh? Yeah, you'll need it, Jim, because we're going to be pounding the docks beginning with 6 a.m. Say, what time is it, Mr. Kent? Oh, it's almost noon, Jim. Why, tired? Oh, no, I'm just a little hungry, that's all. Hey, come to think of it, I'd like to wrap my gizzard around some food, too. What do you say, Kent? Okay with me, Candy. There's a restaurant across the street. Well, here it is, four o'clock in the afternoon, and still no luck. Gosh, after all the sailors we've seen with gold rings in their ears, and even some with parrots... None of which was Tippy. How do you know they weren't? Because Tippy says, hello, Dutch, when you say hello to him. Oh, that's right. I forgot about that. Oh, look, standing here is getting us nowhere. Let's get moving again. Come on. Boy, my dog's barking. Why don't you call it quits, Jim? Yeah, it's 7 o'clock and pretty dark. You'd be better off going back to the hotel. No, I'm nothing we... doing. I can take it as long as you guys can. Okay. Look, Candy, I think we could cover more territory if we split up. Why don't you and Jim go down that street and I'll take the one in the other direction? Then we can meet back here in, say, an hour. I'll buy that, Kent. Swell. See you two in an hour. Right. So long. And good luck. Well, okay, Jim. Let's us get moving. Okay, come on. Look, Candy. Supposing we should see that guy we're looking for. With Tippy, I mean. What do we... Wait, Jim. What's the matter? Make like nothing's in your mind and look at that guy sitting at the table near the window of this coffee shop. What? 
Jeepers. He's a big guy with a gold ring in his ear. Yeah. And look at what's sitting on the floor beside him. A red and yellow parrot in a cage. Uh-huh. Gee whiz, Candy. Do you think that... Could be, Jim. Could be. Come on. We'll find out. And now, back to the adventures of Superman. Searching the London waterfront for a gold earring sailor with a parrot who holds the secret of an underseas kingdom, Jimmy Olsen and Candy Meyer spotted a man and bird who answered the description of those they seek. And now, his eyes bright with excitement, Jimmy stays close to Candy as they enter a small coffee shop. Candy, do you think that parrot with the big guy is tippy? I got a hunch it is, Jim, but I'll know for sure as soon as I hear it talk. Come on, let's go. Wait, Candy. If, if that bird is tippy, then... And that big sailor he's with is the guy who shot Duty McCoy. Sure, so what? Well, he, he's a dangerous character, and he might... Relax, relax, leave everything to me. Now, let's go over and sit down at the table next to him. And for Pete's sake, stop staring. Come on, follow me. Speeding rapidly, Jimmy Olsen follows Candy Myers as they approach a table next to one at which is seated a burly sailor with a caged parrot. Have they found the murderer of Dude McCoy and the parrot the murdered man said could tell them how to find the fantastic underseas hideout for international criminals? And if so, what will happen with Superman off in another direction? Tomorrow's episode is full of action and excitement, gang, so don't miss it. Yes, for many thrills and pulse-quickening suspense, be sure to tune in again tomorrow, same time, same station, for Chapter 5 of Kingdom Under the Sea on The Adventures of Superman. Superman is a copyrighted feature appearing in Superman DC Comics Magazine and is brought to you Monday through Friday at this same time. Get this and previous episodes of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater wherever you get podcasts or by visiting phoenixmedia.us forward slash silverageheroes. Join us again, same bat time, same bat station, for another presentation of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. Excelsior! <laughs>